All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice.
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is David Quadrelli, and joining me, as always, is Chris Faber. Chris, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good, man. Feels like we just did this like 10 minutes ago because we recorded a Patreon episode last night. <laughs> I know. It, it's crazy, man. We got we to gotta get some Parallel 49, the presenting sponsor of this podcast. I think I forgot to mention that in the intro because I'm in Patreon mode still. But the presenting sponsor <laughs> of this podcast is Parallel 49 Brewing Company. Uh, I would like some Parallel 49 at this time. I'm really hoping that the NHL is returning to play. And that's really going to be the main thing that we talk about uh, on this episode. There's basically the framework of the 24-team playoff format. And I mean... Chris, like it's it's nice to have some actual news, I must say. Yeah, before we get to the actual news, if we how about if we reach two hundred and fifty dollars per month on the Patreon, you have to record an episode where you have to drink six parallels before we record. Dude, that's like for two fifty? I don't think so. I think it's gotta be higher than that. I it's gotta I don't be even okay. drink. How about three hundred? Three hundred's a big a big number, I think. Okay, sure. I'll do that. I'll do that. But be great. Uh, we have to make sure I'm not allergic to alcohol, because remember last time I drank alcohol, I just like... Yeah, that's true. I, I was like, oh yeah, Chris, I have hives on my lips now, and yeah, so... Yeah, you were texting me, you're all excited, you're like, oh, I'm really excited to try these Hey Y'alls, you speak so well of them. And I was like, yeah, they're pretty good, then uh, like an hour later, you're telling me you're breaking out in hives, so... I yeah, I was like, I had one and a half, and I was done. I was just like, this <laughs> sucks, I hate this, so... Yeah, okay, $300. I mean, yeah, okay, deal, deal, okay. deal. But I guess let's get into the actual news here. And the main thing is the 2014 playoff is basically laid out and how it's going to work. You know, Elliot Friedman's been basically the one laying this all out. The top four teams in each conference are basically going to have a bye to the first round. And then the teams that were kind of on the outside looking in and really just right the bubble teams, basically, let's call them the bubble teams, are going to be in a play-in round. That includes the Vancouver Canucks. So, I mean... The layout right now would see the Canucks play the Minnesota Wild, and that's a series that I'm pretty excited to watch because I was, um, I was at the game when they last played the Wild, and I mean the Canucks fared pretty well, and you know everything analytically and eye test everything kind of tells us that the Canucks should be able to pull this off. Yeah, most definitely. That was my Botchford night as well, actually, and I know you were at that game. Yeah, um, it's it would be a, a good matchup for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, obviously, I think a lot of people wanted the Canucks just to go right into the playoffs with um, points percentage making them in that spot. But um, I, I'm kind of fine with this, and we touched on this a little bit on the Patreon episode. But like, uh, I, I kind of like the idea of not going right into the first round of the playoffs. I thought for a long time that it was going to be something involving finishing out some regular season games. But this is, you know, in a similar way, it's going to be kind of something that gets you excited. For the first round of the playoffs, because like I said last night, like there's there's no better sports playoff series than what you have in the first round of the NHL hockey playoffs. Like it's it's so much fun to watch. There's games on nonstop, especially for a West Coast like fan like we are of the NHL. Like you get a game at four o'clock, you get a game at seven o'clock, and you're you're pretty much watching two games at least every single day. Sometimes four if you're switching in between. Like there's there's not much better for a hockey fan, but. You know, it's 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 going to be interesting, and I do like the matchup for the Vancouver Canucks against this Minnesota Wild team. And it's going to be weird because in past years, when I'm watching playoff hockey, I haven't been watching the Canucks at seven. I've been watching the other Western Conference teams at seven. I've been watching, you know, <laughs> Edmonton made the playoffs, Calgary. These teams are the teams that I've been seeing in the playoffs. But it's so nice to see that the Canucks are actually going to be in there now. Granted, they're going to be in a play-in round. So, I mean, I'll just lay it out for the listeners here. So, basically, the 8th seed Calgary Flames are going to be playing the ninth seed 
uh, Winnipeg Jets, and they will take on the number one seed team from St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, or Dallas. Those teams are going to have their own little three-game series, I think it is, to figure out seeding, and then that's who is going to play one of Calgary or Winnipeg, and then it's going to be the Oilers versus the Blackhawks taking on the number four seed, the Canucks or the Wild, the Canucks, taking on the number two <laughs> seed of the of the yeah 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 uh, number two seed can and i then, cut you off for a second yeah what i didn't know i haven't heard anything about this the teams that are in a higher seed have to play a three-game series did you yes. say yeah that's really? what I've, okay that's i never what, saw that's that. my understanding yeah i like that too because then they're playing hockey games as well so it's not really an excuse if they you know come in saying that they're too rusty i like that as well i didn't know that yeah, I think I think that's a good system. Like it, it, it makes sure everybody's you know got some legs under them. Granted, three games isn't nearly enough. Like no. you know, Thatcher Demko was telling us on the Zoom call, like he's he's worried that he you know he's probably not gonna have to play much. But you know, he he isn't on the ice, and I don't know if you saw his workout video with his girlfriend like throwing. I think it was lacrosse balls at him. Like it's looking <laughs> rough. He's on turf in his backyard. Like it's it's tough. And you know, meanwhile, Jacob Markstrom's on the ice. He got his gear shipped out to him uh, yeah. into Sweden. And I mean, yeah, like that—that's a bit of an advantage. But I'm glad it's the starter that has that advantage and not the backup. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, he looked like he was—I uh, don't—he looked like a really drunk beer league goalie in that video <laughs> that they put out. And I saw the NHL tweet. I think the NHL tweeted that too. And by the way, did you see what the NHL tweeted out this week? Josh Levo highlights for your quads. Oh my gosh! Yeah, finally the NHL's reading Canucks army, and they're realizing <laughs> that Josh Levo is like one of the most underrated Canucks that there's been in a long time. Okay, so pausing. Okay, sorry. Let me finish this. So Nashville ta- uh, and Fe- or Phoenix, whoever wins that, takes on the number three seed. Enough of that. Here's something I saw that just I l- absolutely loved. Okay, so uh, Jaskerin Canucks on Twitter puts out a thing from oh, that's Jay- the goat right there. Yeah, puts out a thing from Jay Fresh Hockey. Uh, with a, showing a player's market value and some of their analytics, um, <laughs> and uh, said, "Who is this?" hashtag Canucks. Okay, so the market value was five million eight hundred thousand. Okay, five point eight million. So I was like, "Okay, who could this be?" And I looked at it and I was like, "Okay, this has to be Josh Levo, right?" And I guessed it correctly. It was Josh Levo, and Josh Levo's market value is that much higher than his. Um, than his actual value. And for, for people that don't know how this works, like you look at Elias Pettersson's, Elias Pettersson's like actual value is 925,000, whatever he gets on an ELC. And then his market value is like 10 million. So, I mean, the fact that Josh Levo, a guy who's making that little and probably you can re-sign for that little, despite his market value being that high, I think that just shows how underrated this guy is. And I talk about it every week. It's usually followed by me talking about Nikita Triamkin for like another <laughs> 20 minutes, but that's not going to happen this episode. So all I'm saying is I really like Josh Levo and I'm really excited to see him back in a playoff series. And I know Travis is as well. Yeah. And you know, even like I saw that video that the NHL put out and obviously there's a lot of like Toronto Maple Leafs fans on Twitter as well and all of them in the comments were like oh like we miss Josh Levo like he was such a he wasn't used in the right position with this team and the fact that he's here with the Vancouver Canucks and being you know there with that little amount of salary cap that he could have in the future like I really hope he's back because obviously the kneecap is a tough injury to deal with but 
Uh, I wrote about it in that in that article that I recently put out that I think that he would be a guy right into that third line, uh, along with Jake Vertanen and Adam Gaudet. I love that line. I saw Harmon talking about a third line of Brandon Sutter, Adam Gaudet, and uh, Josh Levo, I think, is the one that he put together. It was either him or Sat. They were on the uh, Instagram Live with Murph, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and they kind of talked about that. I thought that was a really interesting third line because I, I don't like having Brandon Sutter on that line, but I do get that, you know, with a playoff series, you're, you're going to you're going to see Travis Green probably go to a lot of defensive lines as possible because that's the way that he coaches, you know. He's not going to coach the same way as a John Tortorella does where he wants to just put a barrage of offense coming at you. Like, he just wants to be able to have some sort of defense, and I think that we might actually end up seeing Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle in the bottom six on separate lines, which is something I'm not super excited for because I think that this Canucks team's strength, especially going up against this Minnesota Wild team, like, if they're going up against them in the first round, they need to be able to to just keep coming at them with offense nonstop, right? I mean, Minnesota has a pretty strong defense. Like, their top four is, is ridiculous, to be honest. Like, Spurgeon, uh, Suter, uh, Brodeen, and, and uh, who am I forgetting here? Dumba. Dumba. Like, Dumba. They, they have, yeah, they have an incredible defense core, uh, especially just like a good young defense core that the Canucks are going to have to match up against. They definitely mm-hmm. lose that matchup. Uh, but I think in, in the offense and looking at the forward group, like, the Canucks just tower over this this uh, Minnesota Wild yeah. team on the offensive side. I think goaltending, they win that there. So I, I would like to see them come at them with with a pretty offensive-looking lineup. I like the idea of, of putting Toffoli down with the Pearson-Horvat line, but at the same time, this way that it's kind of playing out, I'm also kind of fine with Toffoli being on that top line with Pedersen and Miller because that line is going to score a hell of a lot of goals and they'll probably match up against Minnesota's top line. And, yeah, I think that uh, it's gotten me. It's got me excited, man. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice here, but like here that we're actually talking about hockey and stuff that might be happening on the ice pretty soon. I'm excited for it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's funny you mention all this because I'm actually working on a series at Canucks Army right now called Preparing for the Wild, and I'm starting it off with uh, Preparing for the Wild: colon, What Elias Pettersson's last game means for the playoffs. And I looked at that game. And that's a team, the New York Islanders, that is, yeah. that I compare to the Minnesota Wild. And I look at how Travis deployed Elias Pettersson's line. And I say, wow, this might be what's, it might be a sign of what's to come in the playoffs. Especially against a team like Minnesota, who doesn't really have that, you know, that overpowering line like the Oilers do. Like, you know, they've, they've got McDavid and Pettersson's not probably not going to match up against McDavid on most nights. That's not really how the Canucks have gone about their business when trying to shut the best player in the league down. So, I mean, I look at Minnesota and I say, okay, these, these are a team. This is a team right here that I think Travis is going to want to match up the Pedersen line with and kind of put Pedersen in a matchup role, basically saying our best guy is better than your best guy. And we're going to show you why. And he's going to be able to control the play and make the other team's best line go back on their heels. I think yeah. that's a I think that's a good strategy, especially when, you know, even if you have to fully or Besser, those guys are two guys who are pretty solid defensively and two guys that Travis somewhat trusts. I think he trusts to fully a little more than Besser so far. But I mean, man, you, you know what you have in JT Miller and Elias Pettersson. Like they're two of the best defensive forwards on the Canucks. And they're also their two best offensive forwards, right? Like they're great two-way players and that's something Travis really really likes so I mean in this series I'm gonna guess that we don't see a heavy dosage of the Jay Beagle line like obviously Jay Beagle is gonna be huge when they have to kill penalties like he he's relied on heavily and hell you mentioned Brandon Sutter that's another guy who you know we like to crap on him a lot but man he's gonna be super useful for the penalty kill and again like this brings me to another guy that we're gonna talk about on the second half of the show Tyler Mott who's a 
pending free agent, like, is he the odd man out when you look at this lineup? Like, I know we're going to get into all this, but yeah. it's interesting that we're talking about this because who would have thought, right? Like, a month ago, we were like, wow, this, this season's getting canceled. Like, this isn't going to happen. But now, you know, there's a bit of progress and people are, the health officials are saying it could be done safely. And I mean, if they're saying, who are we to say that it's, you know, cancel the season? We don't, you know, if it's, if it's safe, why not? <laughs> I know it's funny now. You mentioned like the health officials. Like it looks like the the premier of of BC is like battling against Alberta to be like we have the better place to come play hockey. It's like it's like one of the dumbest dramas that we've seen, and we've seen a lot of dumb drama uh, around the Vancouver Canucks and and hockey as well this year. But uh, I do agree with you, and I think that that line, like if you want to make the fourth line on the Vancouver Canucks, Tyler Mott, Jay Beagle, and Brandon Sutter. Like, that line is not going to help you in the offensive zone at all. So you're going to make that third line be an incredibly offensive-minded line, right? You're going to need to have Gaudet. You're going to need to have Jake Vertanen. And then it's like, is Roussel the guy there? Because if he's not on that third line, who else are you putting out there? And I don't know if Josh Levo is the odd man out, if he's even 100% healthy. Right, and I think that the other thing about that fourth line is, like, it is a good situation. And when I was putting together my lineup for the Vancouver Canucks coming back, I I thought a lot about penalty killing because, you know, Josh Levo doesn't kill a lot of penalties. You know, Tanner Pearson killed a lot more than he did this year. Uh, So he's a guy that you might see out there. JT Miller's a guy you might see out there. But if you do have a Mott-Beagle-Sutter fourth line, they're just going out there to not get scored on and be guys that you can rely on for your penalty kill, which is... You know, something that you do kind of see in playoff series, right? They they sometimes do have a fourth line, but we've seen it evolve over the past couple of years where there actually is some scoring from a fourth line, especially a team that goes on a cup run. But, you know, like when Jay Beagle was playing that same role with the Washington Capitals, that line was pretty much just a shutdown line with guys who could play penalty kill minutes too. Yeah. So, I, and it seems like that's, that's right out of Travis Green's book. That's probably the front page on Travis Green's book about hockey. Like he wants to have that fourth line. So it wouldn't shock me at all to see a line of Mott, Beagle and Sutter on the fourth line. I just don't really like it, especially when you have a guy like Zach McEwen who you just you want to just like unleash a guy like him into the playoffs, right? You want to unleash a Jake Vertan into the playoffs. You want to see what these guys, you know, if they can step up to the next level and just get there to be like playoff monsters, right? Like you want to get those guys on your team. I don't know if Brandon Sutter's a playoff monster. Uh, Jay Beagle's a guy that's <laughs> going to be very valuable for you in the playoffs. I don't know if he's a monster, but you know, Tyler Mott seems like the kind of guy who would take it up to the next level. And those are the type of players mm-hmm. that I like, like the guys that are get out there and skate their asses off. Like I want to see what they do in playoff hockey, because if you think you're skating at a hundred percent when you're on the regular season, like imagine what percent they get to in the playoffs, because like, that just excites me. And there's players like that, that, you know, Tyler Mott, Antoine Roussel, we saw Michael Furland do it when he was healthy against the Vancouver Canucks when he was on the Flames. Like, that type of that type of series that you need from a player, I just don't know if you're getting that from Brandon Sutter in a playoff series. Speaking of playoff monsters, I want to talk about a guy that you just brought up, and that's Michael Furland. You know, it's mm. it's tough to, tough to predict his health because he came back too soon again last time he came back in December with Utica. But, you know, now his agent's saying that he's skating hard. He's, or maybe he's not skating. He's on a treadmill hard or something like that. Like, he's getting his heart rate up. Like, he's working at it to make sure that he's healthy. And, I mean, man, you know I've done a lot of talking with uh, Dr. Rosenblatt of Advanced Concussion Clinic in Vancouver. Like, we've talked extensively because I'm trying to get the best understanding I can of this. And everything she said, and she's a professional, I'm not. Everything she said is saying that a concussion is a tr- a treatable injury and the fact that somebody's coming back and still having these symptoms after you know little to no contact or anything like that with the head or the body um 
it, it's a cause for concern. It means that you didn't fully rehabilitate one of those past concussions. And it's important to have a team of specialists on each part of the brain. She, I think she said there was like six that you should have um, people looking at. And I mean, I, I hope, I just hope for Michael Furlan, that's the care he's getting now. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not trying to throw shots at the organization or anything like that. But the fact of the matter is Michael Furlan wasn't healthy any of the times he's come back. And that's a problem. It is. And, you know, you hope that this time is different. And I mean, if it is, and hypothetically speaking, let's say Michael Furlan is 100% healthy and he can play his style and he's 100% healthy. That's all we'll say. Like, hypothetically speaking, you have a healthy Michael Furlan who you know is a proven playoff performer. Where does he go in your lineup? And who's the odd man out? Again, I look at it and I say it's Mott. I, like, I'm saying it's Tyler Mott that's going to be the odd man out. Even though I really like what Mott brings to a lineup, it I don't see them sitting Sutter. Yeah, and that's that's the problem. Like, Michael Furlan's not going to kill penalties the same way Tyler Mott does, you know? Like, yeah. Tyler Mott was gifted with an incredible save percentage this year when he was on the penalty kill, so his numbers are a little bit a little bit juiced just because of how good Jacob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko were when he was on the ice for some reason. Uh, but, you know, like, that's the thing that you got to take into account. But at the same time, you got to wonder if what he's doing is helping that save percentage as well. Is he taking away some of the go- some of the easier high danger areas? And maybe that's what's helping the goaltenders. So, like, it- it's a little bit of a balance between analytics and eye tests with Tyler Mott on the penalty kill. And I think that he can bring so much to a penalty kill. I mean, we saw him take over a lot, especially near the end of the year. Like he was getting a lot of breakaways. He's probably one of the fastest penalty killers they have. Right. I don't think, you know, Tanner Pearson or JT Miller or Jay Beagle or Brandon Sutter is beating him in a race anytime soon. I'd see Miller be the only guy that give him a run for his money when it comes to like four checking on the penalty kill. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. JT Miller is just amazing. We can pump his tires all yeah. day long. But <laughs> like, I, I think that what you what you're talking about there is like who's going to be the second center then, right? If Brandon Sutter's not in the lineup, because for me, you know, Brandon Sutter's probably the odd man out uh, on my team. I think like he's the guy who's going to mm-hmm. be who's going to be the odd man out because he can he can jump in and replace Jay Beagle whenever. And I don't think that him and Jay Beagle are that different players. I think you know Brandon Sutter can obviously shoot a little bit better. But man, they play such a similar game that it's like you don't really want them taking up two different lines on your bottom six. And I heard people say that. Like, I think it was Sat who said that. Who wants Brandon Sutter on his third line? And I just thought, like, man, that's that's really going to kill your team when, like, I get that what you want to do in the playoffs is come in and be able to be defensively responsible. But the Vancouver Canucks probably don't have the lineup to be defensively responsible. They have the lineup to like have potential to outscore other teams, and that's how they're going to beat teams in a seven-game series. They're you know they don't have the defense that's going to be able to back up trying to have a defensive lineup for your forwards. So you need to just try and have like an, a huge output of offense coming from your forward group, and then your goaltender helping you out with the defensive side of things. Like that's what I think the Canucks need to do if they want to go on a decent playoff run. So that's kind of why Brandon Sutter stiffs out of my lineup. And I like the idea of, of J, you know, JT Miller was, you know, he played like 22 and a half minutes he was averaging over his last six games or something like that. And that's because he was killing penalties, right? He had to step up and kill penalties as well as be on the first power play unit, as well as play the most minutes at five on five on a line, aside from some games where the Horvat line would play a little bit more due to a matchup. But that's a lot to ask from JT Miller at the same time, right? So it's it's such a strange balance, and it's why you know you and I aren't coaches in the NHL because they have to kind of weigh out all these options and find out what's the best for the whole team. I think it's important to kind of differentiate that you know what we want is different than what we think that the coach is actually going to do. Like 
I'm right with you on Brandon Sutter. I, I would like to not have him in the lineup and have a healthy Michael Ferland. I'm right with you on that one, buddy. But when I look at what I think Travis is going to do, Travis and his staff, I know Travis doesn't make all these decisions by himself. When I look at what I think they're going to do and what they're going to go with, like, dude, something's telling me, like, obviously not in the third line center role. I think that's Godet's now. Like, th- that's not going anywhere. They're not going to sit Godet in a playoff series. I I mean, I see him on the wing, like maybe on the fourth line, maybe on the third line, but there I I don't I don't picture them healthy scratching Brandon Sutter in a playoff series. I don't. I I don't think I don't think they will either. You know, like I like I'd I don't know if I'd like them to, but I can see that being a better option for a lot of different things and like I just mentioned like that's how I see them winning a series. I don't see them beating the Wild as a defensive team. Right, I see them outscoring the Wild, and that's what I want to see from the Vancouver Canucks team. That's just my point of view of the team. I think that's how they can win series, is outscoring teams. They have the potential for some of these guys to just step up and score at a ridiculous rate. Right? I mean, we saw it at the start of the year when, when people were talking about the Lotto line being the best line in the NHL. The reason why was because they were scoring ridiculous numbers and being pretty good in the defensive zone. They have guys on there that can play well in their own zone, and I think that mm-hmm. that type of thing that we saw that we used to call potential is actually happening right now with the Vancouver Canucks. Like they're getting to the point right now where, where potential is something that's, you know, it's here, right? Like a lot of these players are taking big steps, whether it's this, this year is like this year might not even be the year where we get to see them at their peak, right? I still think that they have a long ways to go before we see Pedersen at the best that we see him at, but guys like Bo Horvat are getting to that point right now where he's like, He's the type of player who's at that point where you're gonna you're getting your best hockey from Bo Horvat right now, and the way that he's gonna do that is is being good in his defensive zone, but also creating offense. And that's why when you look at this top six, like it is one of the better top sixes in the NHL, and they should ride that. That's probably their biggest strength, right? Aside from when Markstrom's absolutely stealing games for them and being one of the best goalies in the league, like the Canucks' strength right now is their top six. So I would ride that because. The bottom six just is one of the weaker ones in the NHL still to this point, I'd say. And speaking of Bo Horvat, I think that's a guy right there who can really take take a playoff series and really drive his team home. Like, a, you know, I'm not comparing him to Jonathan Taves, and I'm not saying he's a foundational player as the team's general manager once did about Brandon Sutter, but he reminds me of that, that kind of player. Like, how Jonathan Taves, like, you know, we saw it firsthand as Canucks fans growing up. Like, we saw Jonathan Taves take over playoff series and we we've seen that firsthand and I think Bo Horvat can kind of do something similar like I could see that happening obviously he's not Jonathan Taves but I mean he is the captain of the team he plays in the top six and really he's he's solid both ways and I man like I was watching um what game was I watching I think it was like the 9-3 win over Boston in February um and, and that was a game where I just, like, Bo Horvat looked awesome. And, of, like, for some reason he fights every time they play the Bruins, which is, like, why he, <laughs> he's a fan favorite with Canucks fans. But, yeah, he, like, dropped the gloves again. And I'm like, wow, like, I think I got to look up the game log. I think he might have got a Gordie Howe hat trick that game, but I'm not too sure. I know he fought. I don't know if he scored or got an assist, but... Well, there's was... nine goals in that game. Plus, that's a... By the way, that's a great game to go back and watch. Oh. <laughs> just go back and watch the Canucks beat on the Boston Bruins 9-3. Put... Put a smile on my face. Almost as much as the Bruins losing in the final last year. Like, oh, yeah. that was that was such a happy moment for me. Like, it was <laughs> it was great. Just I was watching that game, and I was rooting so hard for St. Louis, even though I don't really like Jordan Binnington. And, oh, man. It was just, that was like, that was poetic justice right there. 
Yeah, most definitely. So, I don't know. I think that we, we can probably continue this discussion on the other side because I do want to talk a little bit more about the lineup and how we see it playing out uh, if you want to do that. Hell yeah, but right now we are going to throw to couple ads from our sponsors, Parallel 49 Brewing, Zephyr Epic, and Manscaped. And then we're going to go to Riding the Bus with Corey Hergott. So on the other side, you'll hear us continue this conversation. And then we're going to talk about a player in Tyler Mott and what the Canucks have in him, what his next contract could look like if the Canucks should re-sign him at all. So keep it locked and loaded on Canucks Conversation. And before we continue any further, I just want to give a quick shout out to the presenting sponsor of the Canucks Conversation. That's right, Parallel 49 Brewing Company. And guess what, folks? Their street kitchen is now open. Obviously, they're following precautions from the COVID-19 and Phase 2 that's going on right now in British Columbia. But they are open for your service now. You can come in, buy beer. You can also come in and have some beers on their patio or indoors. They got everything set up with the plexiglass uh, in between the tables. So go out and check that out. They're in the East Van location on Triumph Street. So go ahead and swing by if you want to go grab some great beers and as well they have the monster pack as well folks the massive 49 pack of beer go ahead check that out as i have a big harley drive by at my house so you might have heard in the background there go out there and try some parallel 49 brewing company beer folks it is delicious stuff and make sure to check out the monster packs and send me a tweet uh, if you do pick one of these up because i want to see how big they are in person Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 before taxes. And Canucks Conversation podcast listeners can save $5 off their order with promo code CanucksConvo. That's all one word, promo code CanucksConvo. You can shop online or at their retail store located in Surrey. Once again, that was Zephyr Epic. You can follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. Fellas, Manscaped is here to make sure your balls are smooth while you or your partner are playing with them. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving your balls thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0 with cutting-edge ceramic blades to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. You'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Yes, you heard Heard that right. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code CanucksConvo at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code CanucksConvo. Make playing with your balls the best part of your day. Thanks, Manscaped. McEwen into the goal and he scores! What a play by Zach McEwen who draws the Comets to within one. A little shimmy shake.
right, guys, joining us now, it's time for the Riding the Bus segment with Corey Hergott, and we actually have some Comets news to get into, I guess, this week. Corey, it's kind of exciting. Yeah, it is kind of exciting, even if it might be uh, mostly geared towards a player that may not be back next year. It's still uh, still nice to see uh, you know a Comets player getting some accolades down in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reed, Reed Boucher was just named uh, to the first uh, All-Star team, and uh, Brogan Rafferty was named to the second All-Star team, so... Uh, you know, kudos to both of those guys for having absolutely fantastic seasons with the Comets and uh, being rewarded for it. Most definitely. And we, we talked a lot about Brogan Rafferty last week with you here on the show, so we might as well talk about the other guy, Reed Boucher. And you just wrote an article uh, for the Patreon, the Utica Comets, after Boucher, because it seems like Reed Boucher will not be back with the Utica Comets next year. Yeah, I mean, it, that's kind of uh, the way it seems to be looking, is that he's, he could very well be moving on um, to another organization because he, he really wants that NHL opportunity. And it, it, with when you look at the wingers ahead of him in Vancouver, uh, you know, the, the writing's kind of on the wall for him. When they called up, uh, you know, Zach McEwen and Justin Bailey this year and left Boucher down in Utica piling up points it, it kind of tells you that they they wanted to give opportunities to other players so uh, I'd imagine Reed won't be back and for a guy that's put up uh, 175 points in 154 regular season games for the Comets uh, that's a huge piece out of the out of their roster uh, you know he's the the featured player on their first power play unit uh, you know, the offense runs through him. He's the guy they're always looking to set up, and for good reason. The guy's got an absolute bomb from the uh, right circle. Those one-timers from one knee are an absolute joy to watch him unloading all season long. So uh, I'm going to miss watching that if he's indeed gone. Uh, you know, he's also been a, a pretty premier penalty killer for them as well. He's had a, a top spot on that penalty kill for the Comets in the last couple of seasons, and he's done a really nice job there. He's scored a pile of shorthanded goals. I think, well, maybe not a pile, but he's got, I think, four shorthanded goals over the last couple of seasons for them. So that's a, that's an opportunity there for a guy like maybe Cole Lynn to maybe get some longer looks on that power play and maybe get some started, get more, get more looks on the penalty kill as well. We did see Cole get some looks there kind of towards the end of the season and uh, I think that's probably the next logical step for for him to take as far as a challenge at the AHL level yeah most definitely I know that's how you kind of finished the article was like you're up Cole Lind right I mean he's the guy that, that a lot of people are going to be talking about soon but but with with Reed Boucher it's 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 very interesting because like he he has had an NHL opportunity over the past you know four seasons or so he's played more than 50 more than 60 games over those years but Nothing has seemed to stuck here. I mean, he got the 27 with Vancouver Canucks in the 2016-17 season. I guess he was, you know, 22, 23 years old at the time. Uh, two years ago, or in the 2017-18 season, he got 20 games with the Canucks. Last year, he got the one. And this year, he got none. But, Corey, the way that I've been, you know, I've talked to you about him a lot this year. And what you've been saying is his game seems to be improving. So, I'm wondering, what do you think is holding him back right now? Because it seems like his NHL games are going down. Well, I'll, I'll say this, uh, uh, the, he was very, very open and honest about the fact that his skating is what holds him back. He, he said in our Zoom chat, uh, we had a Zoom chat with uh, a handful of guys from the Unica market as well as myself, and uh, Reed was asked a couple of times about his skating, and he said obviously that's been uh, his, the biggest knock on him since he was drafted, and uh, that's something that he continues to work on. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it was something like... 
what the words he said to me because I, I kind of asked him what can you kind of do at this point in your career to improve your skating because uh, you know you're 26 years old now and he basically said his biggest issue right now is uh, once he's once he's stopped like when, when if he's going he's okay but once he stops he says he gets stuck and it takes him a little bit to get going so that's kind of his focus is to work on that kind of explosiveness his first few steps uh, which is you know we hear that so often with hockey players you need to have those first three steps and and have them being uh, at an elite level and and reed isn't there uh you know his game is elite at so many other levels but uh those first three steps aren't elite for him and that's uh, that's his focus and that's what he wants to work on but something that kind of stuck stuck out to me that he said um he, he talked about the fact that when he was in uh, in Albany, he was he was a young player, and we, uh, his words were, "As you uh, get older, you grow up." And he said, "I was a pretty young player in Utica or in uh, Albany," and, and I think that his words were, "I think that led to the consistency this year, mm-hmm. just his his maturation as a, as a human being and as a player." Um, so when we look at that's one of the things that we talk about uh you know it's a young game it's getting younger it's getting faster uh neither of those things bode well for boucher uh but at the same time there's a human element there that i kind of look at and when you've got a player that that absolutely knows the areas of his game that need work and is willing to put in the work to improve those areas uh that human element needs to be looked at as well and and do i think reed boucher is going to be playing nhl games for the canucks probably not considering who's ahead of him uh on the wings but do i think reed boucher could potentially catch on with another team and and at least you know get some nhl games in next season i do i think there's a chance that you know a team like maybe a detroit who's uh, really thin uh, could maybe use a guy that could be a fill-in player, and uh, you know, you never know what happens with a guy like Boucher. He could catch lightning in a bottle, and even if the guy comes out and has a you know a half a season where he he plays really well, and and uh, you know that that could be his uh, you know his feather in his cap for his NHL portion of his career. It's hard to say if he becomes a full-time NHLer. That's what he wants to be. Yeah. Obviously, all players do. Uh, whether or not he gets there, it's hard to say, but I, I do think that there's a guy there that's got a lot of different uh, areas of his game that NHL teams could use. Uh, you know, he knows what he needs to do to get better. It's just whether or not his body is going to allow him to get better when it comes to skating. Uh, your biomechanics of your body kind of come into play up to a certain extent, and, and it could just be that his body isn't built to be a, an elite skater. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense, and it's it's strange to, like... You know, Reed Boucher has been a guy who's been in a conversation for the Vancouver Canucks for, you know, the past few years, ever since he was picked up here uh, in that 2016-17 season. And, like, you look at him, he's a fourth-round pick. He's played 133 NHL games. Like, that's still a success story for a lot of fourth-round picks, it seems like. But it feels like this story's not really over yet. Yeah, and and it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Um, He does really love Utica. His family loves Utica. He talked about the fact that they've pretty much raised their uh their son there for uh, so far were his words so that could be uh potentially uh a bit of a a hint as to him maybe moving on next year but uh they do love the area he uh, he spoke about i asked him specifically about busloads of fans showing up and visiting arenas 
when they're on the road and and uh he said that's something he's never experienced with any other team uh he really really loves that fan base in Utica and uh so that might be the one thing that draws him back to to come back and and play in the Canucks organization again if that happens um I just I I I do see him kind of moving on I think that's going to be it's going to be probably the best case scenario for him is to find a new uh you know a new chance and a new opportunity and a new organization and it might be better for some of the co- the comets younger players the canucks young prospects like cole lynn to you know he's had a chance now for a couple of seasons to see boucher work on the ice and now he can maybe take some of that uh, what he's learned from that and and kind of slot into his role a little bit more or at least yeah. part of his role Boucher skates he's a, he's not a big dude but he's those are some pretty big skates to fill in Utica so uh you know guys like Lind are gonna have to step up next year if Boucher's gone and, and I think that's a great challenge for a young player it's it's definitely exciting I know that uh, you've talked about this with me off air that as long as he doesn't land with like the Marlies or Belleville or Laval or Syracuse like you'll be okay with him right Keep him out of the North Division, please. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling when the AHL does come back, uh, it sounds like there's gonna they're looking at a bunch of different scenarios for how things could play out, and and one of those scenarios could end up being where you know teams are going to be kind of stuck playing their division rivals for the bulk of the season, wow. uh, just so they can kind of stay in a bus loop, uh, mm-hmm. so teams aren't flying around or having to stay overnight in uh, in other cities they can get there play their game and, and get home uh to where they're you know safe or whatever from you know con- contracting the virus or whatever so uh if that's the case and if reed boucher ends up in the north division and the comets have to play him like you know every other game <laughs> next year i'm gonna be a pretty unhappy comets Corey. i can tell you that yeah it's gonna be crunch Corey after that if he ends up in Syracuse. <laughs> no but uh well, i have one more kind of hot take question i guess about this reed boucher situation it's I, I w- I'm just going to ask you, like, who do you think would be more likely to play for the Vancouver Canucks, play at least one game for the Vancouver Canucks next year? Would it be Sven Berchi or Reed Boucher? Oh, you don't really um, have it. It's not really I'm set in stone go yet. with Berchi just because I think uh, if Boucher does want to move on and the organization um, is, you know, decides that they're okay with him moving on then that's a very simple thing for them to do they don't have to offer him a qualifying offer he becomes an unrestricted free agent and he can go sign wherever he likes Mm -hmm. uh sven carries uh you know three point what is it 3.8 million or something like that on his contract for next year uh that that might be a little bit tougher uh a little bit tougher for Vancouver to move. They might have to add a sweetener uh, to find him a new home. And and for that reason, maybe Sven is still around next year. Right. Okay. So we'll go with Sven there. I said, I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Sven does play for the Canucks next year in our Patreon episode this week. And I, you know, it's not something that I, that I think is going to happen for sure, but like, it wouldn't shock me at the same time. I mean, he wants to play NHL games and this Canucks team, if injuries happen, like Sven Berchi does need to be an option. But speaking of the options that they have, um, and Reed Boucher is probably going to be one of these guys. I'm wondering if you want to just give me maybe, you know, with hockey coming back, it's something that we talked about a bunch on this episode. Um, there are going to be a black aces for the Vancouver Canucks, and, you know, all those players are going to come up from Utica. Do you think you could give me a list of maybe maybe 10 players or so that you think are going to be on that black aces team? 
Okay, we'll start in net. Uh, I think Di Pietro will come up. I think the, the team will want him up there at least to give him that experience of being around uh, that kind of atmosphere at the at the NHL level. Um, so we'll we'll add him to the list there. I think on the on the back end, they're probably going to bring Sautner, Brisebois, Chatfield, and uh, Rafferty up. Mm-hmm. Um, but potentially Yule Levy if he's healthy just to be around the team. But I, I'm going to go with Chatfield, Sautner, Breezebois, and Rafferty. Uh, so what are we at? Five players there. Uh, Tyler Grayovac up front. Uh, Reed Boucher up front. Uh, Justin Bailey up front. Um, I don't think they'd bring Francis Perron up. I think you'd probably see Cole Lind and Jonah Gadjevich or maybe Lucas Yashik brought up as you know, to kind of round up the forward group. Those guys might not see uh, minutes in games, like the the younger prospects, the Cole Lins and the Gadjeviches, uh, but they might, you know, take have something good to take away from yeah. that experience of being around the team uh, during that playoff stretch drive or, the, or their playoff run if they actually get to, you know, get out of the first round. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I don't know if it just slipped your mind for a second, but Sven Berchi didn't stay on that list. Would would that worry you that he might not come up here, or do you think that he'll be up here for sure if they have a Black Aces? No, I, uh, Sven slipped my mind. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I think Sven would probably be one of the players that they, they'd bring up as well. I mean, if there's if that's one thing they could do, they could pause if You know, if he gets into the lineup for playoff games and shows well enough, yeah. maybe that's an easier way for them to uh, find a new home for him in Detroit next year, where I kind of figure he might end up. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be an all Utica team over in the, with the Red Wings next year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You could see them signing a few guys. Uh, uh, the leading scorer from the American league this year, Sam Annis is mm. uh, an unrestricted free agent. And, uh, you know, he's a, a little bit of an older player like Boucher, so it's possible that uh, he could end up in uh, in Detroit. They could have, uh, you know, the top two scorers there if they ended up signing uh, both of Boucher and him. Most definitely. Well, the final thing I want to ask you uh, for this Riding the Bus segment, uh, if Reed Boucher is gone, what's going to be the thing that you remember about him most as a Utica Comet? Oh, those one-timers from one knee <laughs> from the right circle, uh, yeah. 100%. I mean, that, that stands out so much to me. I, I've seen... I mean, he doesn't score on all of them, but he scores on a lot of them. And uh, when you see a guy who is that good at that area of the game, uh, it's just an absolute pleasure to watch. And uh, I, I did mention it to Boucher at the end of the at the end of the Zoom call that uh, you know it was I've spent the last three seasons covering him, and that was my first actual opportunity to speak with him. And it yeah. might have been my last, so I wanted to make sure to let him know I enjoyed covering him for the last three years. And uh, he got a he got a nice little smile out of that because I I mentioned specifically the the one timers from one knee from the right circle <laughs> and uh, he uh, he he had a pretty big smile on his face after that. No doubt, you know, Corey. I'm surprised I never saw a nickname for Reed Boucher out of you. Yeah, I I I, I tried <laughs> I tried to come up with something for him, but uh, you know, the best nickname that I saw for him came out right near the end of the season actually after the season ended uh phil lavonko who yeah. is the uh the comets uh video guy that does all their uh social media video stuff oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he he called him wrote the word ridiculous but instead of rid he, yeah. he put reed's name at the beginning and and i was calling him rid- ridiculous reed boucher all like all season <laughs> but spelling ridiculous the normal way and uh 
Phil came out with it with Reed Iculus, and uh, I sure wish I would have come up with that one because yeah, so. I think it's pretty fitting. Uh, the things that you see that guy do out there, uh, he's a pretty special player, at least at the American League level, and uh, something that you'll probably want to hear. You saw it in, in my article, but uh, I did ask Reed who which player he kind of clicked with most yeah. during his time with the Comets, and uh, it was a no-brainer. It was it was Goldie. They played together for years in Sarnia and, and played together in the AHL and uh, he said it was just an absolute pleasure to play with a player with such a high skill level and a player who's so smart on the ice. So who knows, maybe we see uh, Reed Boucher if things don't work for him in the NHL. Maybe he joins joins Goldie over in the <laughs> KHL. Yeah, I might have to get a KHL subscription after that. Then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll wrap it up there, Corey. Uh, and you finished the article saying Paige and Cole Lynn. So I wouldn't mind getting into him a little bit more and talking about his role next week. So that's maybe something we can explore. Yeah, sounds good. I'm going to be actually doing a bit of writing on Cole Lind in the next uh, handful of days here. So uh, hopefully for next week, I'll have something nice and fresh in my mind on him. Excellent. Well, sounds good. And thanks for doing this, Corey. We'll chat again next week. Perfect. Thanks again, Chris. Talk to you later. And a huge thank you to our sponsors, Zephyr Epic, Parallel 49, and Manscaped for sponsoring the show. Chris, how did you like the Manscaped ad? Tell you what, that Manscaped stuff works. Works well. It does. It does. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Use promo code Canucks Combo. Twenty percent off free shipping. I haven't. Uh, I haven't filmed my ad yet, but I. Uh, I will get around to that this very soon. Very soon. But I think I'll put it up. Didn't you get a haircut already? Yeah. So uh, yeah, people will see the video coming up soon. Did you keep the hair? Yes. There's a bag of hair in my room right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's uh, it's one of the strangest things in this room. It's probably not the weirdest thing in this room, to be 100% honest. But yes, there's a big Ziploc bag full of my hair. <laughs> wow. In this wow. room currently. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Some real okay. serial killer stuff going on in this, <laughs> this suite no over here kidding. in White Rock. Just <laughs> a big, big thing of hair. Holy it's cow. A lo- it's okay. a lot of hair, too. Like, you know those big Ziploc bags? <laughs> it's like that, completely jam-packed full. It's a lot of hair. I had to put it in like another in like a grocery store bag just so I don't look at it. Like it's it's not pleasant to look at. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I don't I don't doubt it. I do not doubt it. Okay, but let's talk let's talk some more hockey, Chris. So we were just talking about the Minnesota Wild and what they match up with against the Canucks. I think one thing we didn't really talk about much, like we we briefly touched on it, is the defense. We talked a lot about the forward group, but let's talk about the defense. Obviously, we've already figured out that the Wild have a more deep defense core than the Canucks. I think you know when it comes to who has the best defenseman? I still think you give that to the Canucks, thanks to Quinn Hughes. But again, like, the the Wild, man. Like, their top four is pretty deep. And hell, even their bottom pairing. If we're looking at a bottom pairing of Myers and one of Fantenberg or Ben, like, the, the Wild have a better bottom pairing than the Canucks. Oh, yeah. And, like, I don't even know. I didn't even know who Brad Hunt was. Uh, but he scored eight goals and 11 assists this year for the Wild. Dumba had... Or sorry, he had 11 goals and 19 assists. Matt Dumba wow. has 18 goals. Or sorry, I'm messing this up. <laughs> I'm reading the stats wrong. Matt Dumba has uh, 6 goals and 18 assists. Yeah, Brad Hunt has 8 goals, 11 assists. Spurgeon, who's just electric with the puck. Like, he's he's unbelievable to watch with the puck. He moves it so well. He's like the absolute best player that Troy Stetcher could ever be in his life. That's kind of what Jared Spurgeon plays like. So yeah, their defense is something to be worried about. Uh, they can break out offense. They move the puck very well. Uh, they're you know they're a scary team. It's a scary team when you look at the defensive end. But that's why the Canucks' offense needs to power through that team because they have a huge advantage. I think on that side. 
They do, and I think they will. I think they'll be able to pull it off when it comes to, like, who has the upper hand going into this series. Like, I really, I really think the Canucks have the upper hand when it, like, when it comes, push comes to shove, I think the Canucks are going to be able to pull this off. And I mean, you know, obviously anything can happen in the playoffs, but from everything we've seen with Dom's model at the Athletic and everything else, like the eye test, whatever you want to say, you know, it looks like if everything goes according to plan and everybody stays healthy and, you know, the team actually shows up for their first playoff series in five years, everything is pointing toward the Canucks being able to get past the Wild and really just get into the first round of the playoffs, right? Yeah. And I mean, we don't want to look too far ahead of, like, who they could match up against in the next series, but let's just take it one one series at a time, one game at a time, and I think, you know, when it comes to a five-game series against the Wild, presumably they're all going to be played at Rogers Arena. I, 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 I really do see the Canucks winning this series. I think they have the upper hand going in. Yeah, I think so. And you know what? Like, the Minnesota Wild, I think one of their biggest rivals are the Vancouver Canucks, right? Like, we've we've had some pretty good playoff series with them, obviously, in the past. Uh, Todd Bertuzzi could tell you that. But, I mean, like, this this Minnesota Wild team probably wants to beat this Vancouver Canucks team a lot. They're, they're a team that, you know, have matched up against the Canucks in past years. It's one of the probably, you know, in the Minnesota Wild history, the Canucks are one of their biggest rivals somehow. It's not really... The same for Canucks fans, obviously, because we have a lot of other teams that we hate. But it is it is a team that you expect the Vancouver Canucks to beat, and this could be this could be a real tough end of the season if they do end up losing to this Minnesota Wild team. Because, like you mentioned, a lot of these models are saying the Canucks should win. A lot of people are predicting the Vancouver Canucks to win. The standings are higher. I mean, the Canucks should have been into the playoffs if it was just point percentage. But it, this this is like this is going to be a fun series, man. And if if it happens soon, it's exciting. But like. At the same time, what do you think about the percentage of us actually seeing a Stanley Cup be raised if they do start this? Because with COVID still going on, it, it seems like, you know, it's it's still very strange to think that hockey can start right back up and there's not going to be any problems at all putting all these players in with that much body contact and, you know, how much germs stick in, in hockey gear. Like, I, I'm still not sold that we're going to see the Stanley Cup be raised this year. I'm not sold either. I'm right with you on that, buddy. And here's the thing when it comes to what it's actually going to have to look like. There's going to be testing every single day, right? Like, that's that's what's going to have to happen. And they're going to have to test trainers. They're going to have to test coaches. They're going to have to test all the players. Anybody who really comes in contact with the players... And I'm pretty sure this is going to include the media members in the press box, which is why I kind of stand by my take that... Like, I don't think the media is going to be at these games, dude. Like, I think they're going to have to do, like, Zoom call press conferences post-game. Like, press row is not going to be full. I'm I'm just going to say that. Like, I will I will stand by that. I don't see them using extra tests on media members from 24 NHL markets all at Rogers Arena. Really? Like, is that really something that's even, like, close to feasible? I, don't, I really don't think it is. Like, I... Because I, obviously... The team's um, broadcast teams need to go there, right? Like right. each team has a play has, has a play by play guy and a color color announcer, and then they have a in arena host usually, right? So that's three tests right there, right? Like those people have to get tested too. They can't just be walking around with the virus, right? Yeah. Then what if one of them gets sick? Does somebody else just fill into the game? Like I guess, right? Like there's just so many things that I think could go wrong, and I think that's why it's so important that they get the clearance from health officials and they kind of go through it. One thing I will say is, I don't know if you remember, in like 2017, five Canucks players got mumps and Troy Stetcher was the one that 
was the only like actual positive test, I think. But the other ones showed symptoms. Four others showed symptoms. So they had to sit out of a game and they were in quarantine. Like they didn't even go to the rink. And I mean, I just find that so funny because it happened so recently and seeing the words quarantine now, like I just automatically associate it with coronavirus, right? And I mean, yeah. the Canucks, all they did was put um, <laughs> was put uh, numbers on the water bottles and they were like, no, no more sharing water bottles. That'll fix it. And I mean, for the most part, it did. Like they just quarantined the players, but it sucked. Like they had to lose five five players from their lineup like that's not easy to do and what happens if that happens in a playoff series and I think that's kind of a good segue into our talk about the Black Aces lineup like these guys are maybe gonna have to play and we talk about you know what does a healthy lineup look like but okay what if what if a guy gets coronavirus or has to quarantine because he's showing symptoms right like who knows I just I don't know. It's, it's just crazy to me because does this mean we see like a Reed Boucher go into the lineup in the top six? Because, you know, I'm not throwing names out there, but say somebody in the top six or anybody in the lineup really gets this virus and they have to sit out like the, the NHL's basically said, even if somebody gets the virus, we're not stopping play. And of course, you can disagree with that. You know, it, it probably isn't great that they're doing that. But again, like. I don't know. It's just it's just crazy to me, man, cuz it's like I feel like if one guy gets it, there's going to be a lot of people that get it just because of how contagious it is in that incubation period. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's it's very contagious. Obviously, we've learned that. The mumps is super contagious as well, but you know, this coronavirus is a different animal for sure. And yeah, you do bring up that a good point with the black aces like that's that would be so bad, like such a bad look on the league and such a bad look on on everybody pretty much in the NHL if it's like, oh, we have to rely on the Black Aces now because we're losing players due to coronavirus. And I don't think that, you know, I think honestly, like, if they start to get even anybody testing positive, they need to shut this down. You know, like, you're, you're worried about the health of these players. I know that, you know, some of the stuff we've seen lately coming out about how the coronavirus, if you do get it, like, even if you're young and you're fit and you make a battle back from it, like, it's going to affect you long term, right? So I think that, I don't know, it's it's like... They need to really think about the safety of these players. I know Bob McKenzie tweeted it out last night, uh, Thursday night that was, that he was saying that it was a very heated debate, I guess, in the players' meeting that they had. And it should be, because that's what a union does. Uh, but at the same time, like, they they need to get back. Like, sports is starting to come back, and the NHL knows that this is a huge opportunity for them. If they can bounce back and be one of the first leagues back, it's huge for business. Everybody is craving sports so damn bad. I mean, hell, I woke up and watched soccer on Sunday morning so I could watch Davies run around. Like, it's, it's, everybody wants it so bad. I would watch NASCAR right now. I'm watching golf. I'm doing all this stuff. So, like, they want to get back to playing, but they still, like, you need to consider the health of these players first. And if anybody does get this coronavirus, like, they're, they need to shut it down. Like, that's what they need to do, I think. I, I want hockey back more, just as much as anybody else out there, right? And, like, I, but I also, at the same time, I care about people's well-being and I want them to be healthy with their families for a long time in their lifetime. It's, you know, this is bigger than hockey and this is bigger than sports fans. So, I, yeah, I, I, I've heard that stuff about Bill Daly saying that they wouldn't shut it down. And I just, you know, it sounds like Bill Daly's off his rocker, to be honest, over the past couple of weeks. He mentioned that, like, the lineups right now are, are more... I guess like more accurate the way that the standings are right now because teams were going to start playing young players and stuff like that. Like he said that this week as well. Like, I don't know about that. Like, I feel like if you play all the remainder of the season, you get a lot of the, 
you know, you're going to actually have the the right standings. But I mean, like they're pretty accurate right now, but it's still a very different way to end the season. And if teams can clutch up, win games late in the stretch, or if teams don't clutch up and lose games in the stretch, that's when you know more about a team. But anyways, um, yeah, I just, I want, I want hockey back a lot, but I also want these players to be safe in the end. And I just don't know, you know, I don't know, like the numbers are dropping quite a bit everywhere. But I don't know if we get to the point of even seeing the Stanley Cup be finished. If, if players are going to start getting sick, like if one player gets sick and they're not showing symptoms and they go out and play a hockey game where they're bumping up against other people, like smashing their sweat on the boards against other players and getting in contact with everyone, drinking out of water bottles and stuff, like it, it's it's a very slippery slope and they need to know that they have to shut it down if, they, if it gets to that point. And I mean, geez, like they're obviously going to have to do similar things, right? Like, it's it's going to have to be individual water bottles when they go back. And I mean, we've looked at the proposed, um, you know, I, I don't know if this came from the league. I don't think it did. But the proposed, uh, what would have to happen for to lower the transmission in a hockey game? No post-whistle scrums, which we know is a huge part of playoff hockey. No fighting, which again, okay, sure. I guess we can live with that. No, or sorry. And then it was like, Everyone has to wear fish bowls. I think was the other thing I saw. Yeah, <laughs> which like is just hilarious. Have, it was like two feet apart during the face-off circles or something like that. Like, yeah, because as soon as they draw the puck, they're all going to dive in together, anyways. Like that's just a, another stupid oh, one. But okay, that one doesn't make any sense because you look at a guy like Bo Horvat who puts his stick really low and he really gets under. Like it's similar to how Ryan Kessler used to take draws. Like yeah. he gets low and he gets right in there. And I mean, I don't know. It's just it's just not reasonable. No, I don't know. We're, we're going to see how it plays out. We don't know what we're talking about with this subject. So why don't, why don't we talk a little bit more about what uh, what the lineup, like, because I touched on it when I wrote the article about the defense. Um, I like the idea of Edler and Myers going back together. I like the idea of Tanev and um, Hughes playing back together. And I think I think a lot of people agree on that because playoff hockey, your top four is just going to play a ton of minutes. So you want to have your best four defense and playing there together. But Quazo, I want to talk about the third pairing a little bit uh, because I think there is a lot of discussion there about you know, Troy Stetcher is going to be the guy on the right side. I think that's pretty set in stone. But does does Ben go back there or does Fantenberg go back there? Which camp are you in? I don't know. They're both not very good. Like, <laughs> it's been, you know, okay, one thing I will say, one thing I kind of want to disagree with you on is I'd lo- I would like to see Myers and Hughes on the first pairing. Like, I wouldn't mind hmm. seeing that. I think, you know, they played pretty well together, as did Edler and Myers, but I think the alarming thing about that pair is that they gave up a lot of chances. They generated a lot, but they also gave up a lot, right? And I mean, you know, Myers has played pretty well with Hughes, and we already know what Tanev and Edler can do together. They were relied on as the top pairing for the Canucks for many, many years. More than they should have been, for sure. But um, I wouldn't mind seeing Myers there. And I mean, the one place I don't want to see Myers is the third pair with Fantenberg and Ben, because I think we've seen enough of that experiment. So on the third pair, I mean, I'll say Jordy Ben. Jordy Ben? Yeah. With stature. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm there with I'm more Fantenberg on that side. I think that Fantenberg could be a guy that hops in, and then when when an injury does occur, I mean Ben can hop right into the right side on either way, so he can play either side, right? Yeah. But the thing about the thing about Myers and Edler, and the reason why I like that pairing more, like I I know what you're saying the the pairing of Hughes and Myers does produce a hell of a lot more goals. Um, they put up they actually I think they allow less goals too than they do with um, than Hughes and and uh, and Tanev, why can't I get this right? Yeah, they do. So they they allow less goals against per sixty. 
They allow they score about a goal and a half more per sixty, which is a ridiculous amount. But yeah, they let up less goals too, which is crazy to me. But I mean, like the only problem that I have with not like if you want to put Myers and Hughes together, it's fine. Like it's a good pairing. It's a probably a better pairing for Quinn Hughes. But the problem is you're really hurting the Edler pairing if you're putting Chris Tanev there. That's where Edler's numbers just drop like crazy. Uh, yeah, if you're getting fair. to that point, like. You have to look at it as kind of like... I look at it as like the top four more than a top pairing. Because like, you're right. The top pairing of Myers and Hughes is the best pairing you can put together for the Vancouver Canucks right now. According to the analytics, according to the eye test, a lot of that stuff. Like, But it really hurts the top four as a whole, which you're going to be playing for you know close to 45 minutes in an NHL game, in a playoff game. That line's going to be out there for a lot of the game, three quarters of the game. And you want to have that... That pairing be okay, but I'd be worried to put Edler back together with Tanev just because I think it hurts the team quite a bit. And their their numbers together are just it drops off really bad when those two start playing together. Yeah, yeah, man, frick, I don't know. It's just like I don't know. I I re- I've liked what I've seen from the Myers Hughes pairing, and I guess it's hard because you also obviously have to take into account the Edler Tanev pair. Mm. And I mean, man, I don't know what do those guys do in a playoff series, right? Like, yeah. I man, it's so tough. And I mean, I, I, again, I'm glad we're not NHL coaches because we would just be <laughs> sitting there being like, "Man, what should we do with our top four? Because our third pair is gonna suck regardless." So <laughs> yeah. that would be us. That'd be us in the war room. Yeah, most definitely. But the the other crazy thing is like the expected goals against uh, for those two pairings that you mentioned, Chris Tanev and Quinn Hughes. You think that they would have a low one, right? Like expected goals is the is the best analytic way of looking at how much they're gonna get scored on. Uh, their expected goals per sixty is two point five. The expected goals against uh, with Tyler's and Myers is 2.04. Which Tyler's is, and Myers? <laughs> Tyler Myers and Quinn Hughes. I don't know what I'm <laughs> saying here. I'm messing up names like crazy. But their, their expected goals against is uh, 2.04. So a huge drop uh, wow. compared to the Tanev-Hughes pairing, which is crazy. And the expected goals is higher as well. So that pairing makes a lot of sense. But I don't know if we're going to see that pairing full-time together until maybe next season. Like if Chris Tanev's not back and they have to figure out someone else to play with Edler. Yeah, wow, jeez. Okay, I'm in your camp now, you've convinced me. <laughs> I wrote about this, you edited the damn article, although I'm just pulling stats from my article. <laughs> I did, well, I don't, I don't, you know, you know how I edit, I don't, you know, absorb everything, I'm just <laughs> looking, being like, did he, he misspell anything here, can we make this sound better, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's different when you're reading an article and when you're editing it, it's totally yeah. different. True enough, but, and to, on top of that, the only two positive Corsi pairings that played over 70 minutes together this year... Uh, is Tyler Myers, Quinn Hughes, and then Alex Edler and Tyler Myers. So I think, you know, if you're getting those pairings together, it makes a lot of sense. And then the Troy Stetcher one, like, I, I think Fantenberg's just a little bit of a better option just because I think he moves the puck a little bit better. But I do like Jordy Ben. Like, he's a great guy to have on your seventh as your seventh defenseman because he can play both sides. He can come in and bring a little bit more physicality, possibly, if that's what you're looking for in the playoffs. But, like, you, you touched on a little bit. Jordy Ben had some uh, some horrific times this year. Uh, later on in the season for him, but um, yeah, that pairing of Myers and, and Ben is something I don't want to see, and I don't want to see Myers with Fantenberg either, because that didn't really work out very well either. So what you're saying is Tyler Myers is elite, right? He makes everybody better? I'm I'm making a pretty good case about it, I Tyler guess. Tyler Myers is elite. He, uh, he's, he is very useful in a top four for the Vancouver Canucks currently, I'll say that. <laughs> He is also <laughs> tall. Don't forget that. Yeah, he's tall, so I gotta stand for that. Man, <laughs> I'm I'm so I'm just sitting here like thinking about a playoff series. Like, 
What were we even talking about last week? Like, it wasn't hockey. No. <laughs> I, I, I don't even remember what we talked about in the show last week. Like, I'm, I'm so excited that we're actually talking about, you know, actual hockey coming back and, like, actual playoff hockey. I mean, it's going to absolutely suck if, <laughs> you know... Uh, by by the time this episode goes out or next week we see that uh yeah it's been kiboshed they're they're just canceling the season we're just gonna be like well that kind of sucks but i mean everything's looking pretty promising right now like i think we're gonna see see some hockey and i mean now we don't have to watch korean baseball and german soccer anymore like yeah i'm i want some hockey man i'm i'm looking forward to it well listen we're recording this at 12 it's 12 30 right now on friday afternoon i can i can guarantee I'm not going to guarantee, but what from what I've heard, we we are going to hear an answer by Friday night. So I think by the time this episode drops, we're going to have the answer, which is too bad for podcasting because now we're going to be dated already. But we are going to hear an answer from what I hear around people and people talking about it. We're going to have an answer Friday about this, which is insider. yesterday. Yeah. No, I'm not an insider. I just talked to insiders. So that's what I'm getting. <laughs> so you are an insider then if you're talking to insiders. I guess insider. so. I guess so. I just yeah, I'm just like insiders. I'm a second-hand insider, or like probably a like a fifth-hand insider. insider. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm my gosh! Well, I mean, I think we'll jump to the next part here, and that's talking about you know continuing our little series we've got going on here, where we're talking about uh, pending free agents of this team. And the next guy on our list is Tyler Mott, a guy we've talked about quite a bit on this episode, Chris. We've talked about if he's going to be in the healthy lineup what it looks like if he is in the lineup, what he brings to the penalty kill and everything. And I think we've kind of talked about it a lot. So, Chris, I mean, if you want to throw a contract out there to Tyler Mott, what are you giving him? Well, I think the Tyler Mott signs, man, it's hard because, like, I want to say a two-year deal. I feel like Tyler Mott's earned a two-year deal with the Vancouver Canucks in the way that he's played. But does that hurt some other wingers? Does that something that comes back to bite you? Even if you're signing him for, you know, a million dollars on a two-year deal. I feel like Tyler like Tyler Mott's not asking for much more than that, probably. I would think. Uh, but I, I wonder, like, like with the Canucks contract situation, does that sort of hurt them a little bit if they do want to go that route? It's only two years. It's only a million dollars, probably. Maybe, like, 1.2 at the max. But he's a guy that I want to see on this Canucks team moving forward. He's the he, For me, he's one of the perfect fourth-line players you can have. Yeah, like the energy he brings, right, is just, you know, it's almost like having two JT Millers, you know what I mean? Like, in terms of energy and how how (laughs) hard they are on the puck, like... Obviously, he's not JT Miller, but you know what I'm you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, he's like he's like a fourth line JT Miller. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a better way of saying it than having two JT Millers. Man, okay, well, I mean, I just I look at this guy and I say like, you know, what was he acquired for? Like Thomas Vanek, I think was what went the other way, and I think we got UC Jokinen as well in that deal. Correct what me if I'm wrong. What a steal that was. Tyler Mott was a steal. You see Jokinen. Jeez. I remember I went to a game that season, like, toward the end, and the Coyotes were in town. And it was, hands down, the worst hockey game I've ever watched. Like, so sloppy. You see Jokinen was playing with the Sedins, and it was just horrible. Like, so bad. And it hurt to watch. Like... <laughs> Oh man, like I almost wanted to leave in the second period just because of how bad the hockey was. Like yeah. nobody could complete a pass. Like it was just awful. Like it was horrible. It was dead silent in the arena. It was just it it was tough. It was tough to watch, man. And I mean, <laughs> you compare that with what the atmosphere is like in Rogers Arena now. Granted, it won't be like that when hockey returns, but. <laughs> 
It might you know, be like that. It actually might be like that game that you went to when UC Okanagan was the star for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I I don't think it will be that quiet. You'll still hear <laughs> some guys in the press box cheering, depending on who's up there. They should put you and I up there. We could we could cheer. We could get it pretty loud in there. Yeah, I don't know. Did Do you, you think they'll still have DJ Baroness when like? There's, oh God, like I saw that was a good point somebody brought up. Is like when when hockey returns, like is Al Murdoch's job going to be the same? Like. Is Al Murdoch going to put the same well, emphasis I wonder, on his I wonder calls? if he goes back. Yeah, like, Al Murdoch should be there. But then again, it's like, is that another person that you're bringing in? You know, like, you, you got to limit the people that you are bringing in there. But, man, like, I think that <laughs> I'm, like, I'm excited to see what the broadcast is like with no fans in the game. Because, like, they're going to have to have a delay, right? Because there's so many swear words that players drop when they're on the ice. Like, and it's going to pick up everything now. There's not going to be the fan noise drowning it out. Like, they're going to have to have a few-second delay. They have to, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, they have to. They're just going to get fined after fine. Like, I think they get fined every time you put a swear word on, on TV, right? Like, yeah. isn't that how that works? I know that I saw... Who was it? I think it was Kevin Hayes was talking about it. Uh, I think he was on with, like, the Barstool guys or something. But he was talking about that they are, they should mic up, like, a ton of players. Like, just to bring a little bit more of, like, the experience to people. Because, like... I like I don't know if we see it much anymore, but like it felt like when you know in the early two thousands and, and probably late two thousands as well, before the twenty tens kind of turned over. Like every game that you watched, there would always be like it would get to the third period, and then do you remember like it would cut to somebody and it'd be like, oh, this is like the the stuff that we picked up from his mic during the game, and it would just be like a player like going whatever throughout the game. But now we get like the mic'd up videos on YouTube like weeks later. But I felt like, I feel like, like, 10 years ago, they used to have it, like, during the game, they would have a mic'd up thing, and they would, like, pick up the sounds from that game. I just don't see them doing that anymore, but I think that would be a good idea if hockey comes back, because that would be a little bit of fun seeing them chat about it. I was 10 years old 10 years ago, and I really don't remember that well, so I, I'll, I'll just say that. Like, I, I don't remember what you're talking about with, with the mic'd up during game. Right, I, well, I have no recollection of that. Well, regular-aged people that are listening to this podcast <laughs> know what I'm talking about, I hope. Yeah, I hope so too. But I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity to kind of have some fun with the broadcast. Like, you know, we see what the WWE is doing with the, all their backstage fights and all that stuff. Like, it's like a reality <laughs> show now. And I mean, wouldn't it be cool if Dan Murphy was like, you know, walking the concourse during a game and just like, <laughs> you know, telling fans like the and you know, Murph, we know Murph, like Murph's sense of humor, like he could have some fun with that, man. And same with John and John, like those guys are absolutely hilarious. I would love to see, I would love to see what they can come up with. Like, does Murph still do intermission panels like by himself? Is that what happens? Or like, <laughs> like what, what, what happens in an intermission now? Like, yeah. is the people in Toronto going to be in the studio? Like Toronto, I was talking to Azaday, um, Canucks AZ on Twitter, go give her a follow. She's saying there's like 400 cases in an Ontario in a day. Jeez. Like, that's tough, man. And we're looking at BC. We're like, you know, if we get 20, people are freaking out because right. we had two like a couple days ago. And I mean, 20 is a pretty low number. And I mean, if it keeps getting lower, it's it's great. Like, it, it's good to see. And I mean, I think there was another outbreak in a prison somewhere. I'm not sure where it was. But huh. I mean, yeah, I think that one just started today. But, you know, that's in a prison. And I mean when you look at like community transmission and that's what everybody's worried about, like it, it's important to get that number as low as possible before anything really reopens. And I mean, I don't know. I, I feel a lot safer going out than I did before. And I mean, you know, that that's good. I, 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 I mean, it's great the progress we're making, but you know, you compare that to Toronto. So 
does Toronto, like the people in Sportsnet Toronto, get to go back in the studio? Like, is Friedman back in the studio? Um, you know, is, well, I was about to say Kiprios, but he doesn't even work there anymore. But, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about. Like, Carolyn Cameron, the guys who go in in the intermission, you know, they talk. Yeah. Like, Osmac, Reed, like, they're, they're the staples on the highlight reels, right? Like, are they going back to work? Are they even working right now? Like, I know Sportsnet Central's... Do you do you know? I haven't watched sports highlights, uh, sports highlight show in like over two months. Yeah, I haven't watched uh, Sportsnet's uh, little Sportsnet connected ever since they brought that Ken Reed guy on there. That guy pisses me off for some reason. Uh, so I haven't wa- I haven't watched them in years. But uh, I really like Ivanka Osmak. I think she's hilarious. I like I really like I like her. her too. I think that that guy ruins all of her jokes as well. So I'm just gonna <laughs> put that out there. I think that he makes every conversation with her awkward as hell. Uh, but they they have that's some better fair. people there at Sportsnet who should be doing that show. But that's aside from the point. Uh, yeah, I hold think on, that- hold on. Sorry, <laughs> I just want to say, I, you know who I think would be really good to replace him is Carolyn Cameron. She's also yeah. really really good. Like, yeah. I think Osmax kind of like she's got that like she's like funny, you know. And then Carolyn Cameron's like got that really good analysis, and that's not a knock against Osmax analysis, but like I I was listening to Carolyn Cameron on. Uh, the Scott Rintoul show pretty recently and she was talking and I was just like wow like she's like like I was like why are you giving me Patrick Johnson yeah I'm just kidding I was just like <laughs> you know like there's there's so many people who are ahead of her that don't um th- th- I don't know that just I I'd like to see that like you know Ken Reed's a good example I'm not I don't want to turn this into a Ken Reed you know roast but why is he on if you have Carolyn Cameron right there? I don't know. And that was a total joke about Patrick Johnson. We're, we're friends with him. That's why I said that. <laughs> but, yeah, um, Patrick Johnson gives good analysis. He actually broke the Judd Brackett story, like, first in January. So, I mean, I'll just say that. Huh. Yeah, he did break that. And he's broke the Markstrom story. But, uh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a good reporter. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore with Ken Reed because I just... I don't know. The guy just drives me insane the way he does his broadcast. But don't you agree that like Carolyn Cameron's really good at her job? Yeah, no, I think she is. I think she's good. I like um, who else from Sportsnet do I like? I like um, Carly Agro. Agro, yeah, yeah, she's, she's good, good as well. I like her. Um, and yeah, I don't even I just, mind like Brendan Dunlop. I don't think Brendan Dunlop. That guy's that not bad, bad either. Yeah, I know a I lot of people he... don't like Brendan Dunlop, but look at his hair. Like that's awesome. <laughs> no, I don't mind him. He, he's pretty good on there as well. But. Um, yeah, I think TSN just does a lot better job. All of the people at TSN are better, if you ask me. There's not a lot of sports there that stick out. Aside from, like, the broadcast crew that we have here in Vancouver, I, I'm 100% more involved with the TSN folks. Like, John and John are incredible. Murph's incredible. Uh, Sat's great. But the TSN crew together is, is a lot more huh. <laughs> a lot more well put together, I think, and more professional, I think, with, uh, with their analysis. But that's just how I feel. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it could be fun. Like, we... Um, ben Ben sent us a, a tweet this week about him doing reporting with zero yeah, people in the, the stands. That was yeah. hilarious. Uh, oh, there's man. nobody in the stands, and he was having some fun with it. Um, so yeah, that that might be something that we see Murph do. Like I, I could picture like the camera just like panning down to him from like a wide view, right into him in one seat, and him just like sitting down, giving the broadcast, doing like a report from there or whatever. Or, or maybe he's just like in a t-shirt with like his dog in the stands. Like there, he has some opportunities oh, to have gosh. some fun with it. Okay, we've you know what? Let's get Murph on the show for like next week or something, like the main <laughs> show. We've got to run this by him. We've got to have a special guest. I think I think we got to reach out to Murph. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a guest on the show. Maybe we'll have to let's, do that soon. Let's bring Murph on next week. I'm gonna sure I'm gonna thing. text him right after this. You know who we should bring on right now? Who? Corey Hergott. We already did. He was already on the show. What? We already threw to ride in the bus. Are you sure? Yeah. 
think we're at the end of the show. This is the end of the show right now. Oh, what? Yeah, I was about to ask you if you have anything to close out with. We already did, Corey. Dude, I don't even remember this. <laughs> this is why I don't like recording this early in the, in the day. I got My brain doesn't start working until like That's 3 hilarious. o'clock. You tried to have a cool segue and we already did it. Dude, I don't think you did. I think you're wrong here. No, we did. I'm a hundred I will I am a hundred percent sure. Like, dude, people that are listening to this part of the show are gonna oh, be no. laughing right now because they've oh, already no. listened to Corey Hergott. I'm sure of it. Alright, close the show then. I'm done. <laughs> Nothing you wanna add? We'll just No, I'm good. <laughs> Maybe we should add add Corey in at some point, hopefully. He's in. I guarantee it. Right after I said, we'll go to the ads and Corey Hergott riding the bus. And I, I had a big thing, too. I can't believe you don't know. I went riding the bus with Corey Hergott. You know, I did the big thing. Wow. All right. I'm a little hurt, but that 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 is hilarious. We should clip this. This should be like a promo right here. Damn it. Anyways, that's going to wrap up episode 81 of the Canucks Conversation. For Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Once again, you have been listening to the Canucks Conversation.